Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food and not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Today is actually July 28th. We are recording a new portion to this episode because we have received some feedback on some of the things that were said in this episode and we want to make sure that we course correct because we're committed to learning and taking responsibility for our actions and this platform has really grown beyond what we could have ever expected and so we want to make sure that we are taking our own responsibility to properly educate and to create a more inclusive community for everyone so we believe it's crucial to correct our language and that's what we're here to do right now firstly i want to start out by adding a really intentional and needed disclaimer that we honestly should have had in the very beginning so just an understanding of how our process works we had a phone call before any of this recorded conversation and we understood exactly what Sanan wanted to share with his listeners and what his vision was for this episode. He was very excited and very genuinely wanted to outline the details of his surgery. And you'll hear his excitement in the episode, but he really wanted to share what that process looked like. The questions we ask him in this episode are questions that he knew of beforehand and was entirely comfortable and open to answering. However, we acknowledge and understand that these questions could come off as invasive. These questions are not prescriptive to be asked to anyone else that is of the trans community and unless invited and welcome to do so. These questions were very specifically picked out for a specific purpose and intention of learning and education. However, you should not feel entitled to ask any other trans person in this community these questions unless they share up that information entirely at their own will. Sanan was comfortable with doing this and all of these questions were vetted beforehand. Regardless of that, there are still things that we said that we were kind of just saying in engagement with people and using terms that we had heard without realizing that they were outdated or problematic. So we'll talk about some of the things here that we are really sorry that we said and we are committed to not using these phrases again and committing to learning and continuing to grow and continuing to get better. So in our original episode, we did ask Sanan 
what his former name was. This is known as dead naming, when someone intentionally or not refers to a transgender individual by the name they used before they transitioned. It was wrong of us to ask Sanan what his former name was, even though he was comfortable with it and he was happy to share, because this sets a really bad precedent for people in the trans community and what cis people think they may or may not be able to ask. At the same time, certain terminology also can imply that a trans person was once a certain gender and is now a different gender. And this is actually really harmful because that person was always a trans person. They were always a trans man or a trans woman. That can be really harmful to trans people. So we're sorry for using language that that implied that Sanan wasn't always a trans man. And that's something that we know now and will be better about. It's also very crucial to reject the gender binary, especially in these conversations. And gender is a spectrum. There are many gender identities and a good umbrella term to use is non-binary for those that don't identify with a specific gender. We reject the gender binary. It is not something that you can be on both sides of. It's not a binary, it's a spectrum. And we have learned and will continue to move forward with that information. But we thank you for being patient with us and we really appreciate it. And we won't use this language again. And beyond us being mindful of not using this terminology again, we've removed any sections where any of this rhetoric was referred to. We tried to make the episode as inclusive as possible while still doing justice to the story that Sanan wanted to share. I think it's really important to note that the story we share here today, and this goes for every single podvocative episode, was just one lived experience and just one story. Sanan's story by no means is representative of all trans people. The level of detail and everything he was comfortable to share here does not apply to everyone across the board. This was very isolated to where Sanan felt extremely comfortable to come on this platform, felt comfortable to share with us and to share with the listeners. Any podvocative episode is not in lieu of individual research and education that should be done. And Farheen and I should have done further due diligence before recording this episode. And we are extremely apologetic and we are taking actions to make sure this never happens for any future episode. But this episode, along with any other episode, just serves as a starting point for conversations in our community. And we are extremely sorry. We're extremely apologetic to anyone in the trans community that was affected by this and harmed by this episode. And we are really thankful for all the support, the patience, and the grace that we've been met with throughout this journey. And lastly, as I mentioned, we have updated the entire episode to make sure that this current disclaimer is involved and harmful rhetoric is removed. And we'll link any helpful articles that we've received from people within the trans community. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support as we continue to learn. We're obviously not going to be perfect, but our goal is to get important conversations out there. And hopefully we're doing that and we are trying to do it in the safest and most respectful way possible. I do want to give a special shout out to Sanan, who has been amazing for working with us. And we learned so much from him. And he was so willing to share his story with us and with all of you for the sake of learning and growing together as a community. So thank you to Sanan and thank you to everyone who listened and for all of your patience. We are just going to keep trying to put out meaningful episodes that people can learn from. So thank you for 
patience, support, kindness along the way. I just know that it's like one step closer to like finally looking in the mirror and being like, yes, like this is what I've always wanted. My vision of myself, like in my head, finally like aligns with the person looking in the mirror. This is Podvocative. Hello, welcome back for episode five. We're so excited that you're here again, and we're so excited to share Sanan's story this week. This intro will be shorter than usual, and we won't have rapid fire this week just because this episode is a little longer, but we wanted to make sure to include all of the content that Sanan shares, and so we really want the highlight to be just on Sanan this week. This episode is really special to us because firstly, neither Farhi nor I have really engaged or been able to talk to someone who has been through the entire transitioning process and so it was really interesting to learn but also Sanan as a person is just so brave so courageous he really just opens his heart and he leaves it out in this episode and I teared up multiple times hearing this and then hearing rehearing it again and I really hope that you all learn something you resonate with Sanan I think this story is really worth sharing and being heard by many many people yeah and Sanan does very bravely share every part of his story. And while it's super important for us to hear that and learn from it, his story also includes details of his gender reassignment surgery and the creation of his sexual organs in those surgeries. So the episode does contain some adult content. We think it's extremely important to share and for people to hear, but listener discretion is advised. We hope y'all enjoy the episode. It is a really emotional, really special one to us, and we'll catch you on the other side. I would love for you to tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, and your favorite boy band. My favorite boy band. <laughs> Does it have to be a boy band? Can it just? No, be a- it can be your favorite band. Artist. Okay. Artist, yeah. Band. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I, wait, I don't think I've listened to band since high school. That one's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so my name is Sanan Sanan Sarani. Um, 24 years old, turning 25 this year, and um, I live in I live in Dallas, in Texas. I'm I bounce around between Dallas and New York. I'll never not claim my New York identity, but for now I am in Dallas and uh, I live with my parents come from a family of six with uh, three sisters and um, my favorite artist is Drake he's like one of the only like male artists that can resonate with how soft I am well thank you for for telling us a little bit about yourself we want to sort of know a little bit about your background so you know talk to us about your family and where you grew up and how you grew up. Yeah, so growing up was interesting because I always felt like a lot of love from my family. There was never a lack of love, but there was always this miscommunication and and there was always this feeling like they didn't quite understand me, you know, like they never like failed in providing me with the things I needed and the things I wanted and fulfilling my requests and, and, you know, loving me. But I always just felt like, God, like, you know, there's just something about me that like they don't get and like, I can't like communicate it. And I think that's what caused me to like really rebel growing up. I rebelled a lot. Like I I had not that great of a relationship with my parents, not that great of a relationship with my sisters. I was constantly hiding things. And it was in ninth grade when it was like the first time that I came out 
And I told my parents that I liked girls and I couldn't use the word lesbian. I was like, uh, I don't know. That's not for me. For some reason, it just never felt right. Now that I look back, these are like little like things that make me think like, oh, that's why this makes sense. You know, like you look back on your life and it's like pieces of a puzzle. Like you put things together from your childhood and you're like, oh, this is why I am the way I am, you know? So that's one of those things. And my parents, when I told them that they flipped and that was the first time I came out, it still didn't feel quite right. And my parents put a thespian in my hand and was like all right just like we need to tell god to get the gay out of you like we just need we need to get it out and so prayer was a big thing in my family like we prayed every night my parents my mom taught us like all the traditions involving like jamathkana i also was like pretty involved as a kid not so much religiously in terms of understanding all the things about jamathkana but just in the sense of having like a really strong connection with god i always found myself like talking to god as a kid because I just knew that there was like something that just wasn't right. Like I remember like literally before falling asleep at night, like I would like be like, God, like I know that this is like kind of impossible, but you can make anything happen. So if there's any way you can make me a boy tomorrow, like that'd be great. You know, like since I could speak, like since I could create sentences and I would tell my parents the same thing, like since I could speak, I'd be like, God made a mistake. Like, you know, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. Like, and, and it was evident in, like, the way I dressed, the activities I chose to participate in, as opposed to, like, my other friends that were girls. Just, like, in every sense. So, yes, yeah, so religion was, was a big thing. And I had a strong connection with God. And my parents instilled that in me since I was younger. So that has always remained. But I think that helped me also feel comfortable enough to come to Jamathkana as I was transitioning. Because... It had always been a part of my life growing up. When I went, I felt internally, I felt like I was the same person, you know, even though like on the outside I was changing and like it took a long time for me to be like, all right, time to sit on the boy's side, like, you know, and that was like a really nerve wracking experience. But when it was done and when I sat down and I saw that nobody cared and nobody looked and people just started using my pronouns like in Jamathkana without me even having to say so. You know, and to me, like, even though that's not you coming out and saying, like, directly, I accept you, that's like automatically proof that, like, you know, I'm going to choose to address you as, as the way that you wish. So the community has been really good to me. Thank you. No, that was such good background. I feel like there's so much to unpack within just that much of your story. When you were younger and you were in your rebellion phase, did you know why you were feeling that way? Like back then, I didn't know that's why I was rebelling. I feel like there wasn't like consciously a thought that like the the reason back then was like, oh, my parents don't understand me. Like my sisters are perfect. And I didn't recognize that it was an identity issue, not a sexuality issue. You know, I tried to come out by claiming my sexuality, but that still didn't make me happy because that didn't fill the void that I felt within my identity. Honestly, I didn't even know the concept of like being transgender and like hormone therapy and like all these surgeries were even possible. Like I went to Atlanta on a trip and I met someone actually in a smiley who was trans at the time and it blew my mind. Like I was like, wow, like this is possible. Like that's so crazy because it, I didn't even know that it existed until I saw it in front of my eyes. But it came back from the trip and I was talking to my mom and just like, you know, like I met this person and oh my God. And it's just something about moms that they just know you. She was like, are you, are you excited about this because you want this for yourself? And I was like, what? No, like that's crazy. Like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And then a few days later, my dad was like, hey, like, you know, we should see, we should, like, go to the doctor soon and, like, talk more about this. Like, without even me having to, like, tell him anything, you know? And I remember one of the first questions that I asked them was, this is going to be rough for you guys and Kane. Like, you're pretty religious. You always go. It's going to, like, raise questions. And they basically, like, told me, like, we don't care. Like, if we have your back, we don't really care what anybody else has to say, you know? It blew my mind just how unconditional their love was you know and how accepting they were when it was not about transitioning and it was just about like me like liking girls they were like um no like you can't do that like that's like not cool you got to take a thusby but then when it was like i have this internal struggle of like who i am you know and i've been i've been feeling this way my whole life they were so quick to pick up on that this is what they said they're like you were always our son you know we see it like you were never our daughter you were always different from the rest of our daughters you were always your son so that was like really unexpected and really beautiful see that validation from them i still have like a 10 year old well she's 11 now i think was the first one to like call me by my name in my family like when i changed my name she was the first one to pick up on it she was the first one to start like correcting everybody and saying we have to call him he like we can't call him she anymore like was always correcting everyone like all all of her friends in school she had a brother like it was just it felt very natural and it was really nice to be received and loved and it makes me sad that people don't have that experience most of the time yeah and even even if sometimes parents have unconditional love which i feel like they always usually do sometimes they don't know how to approach situations and stuff so that's really special and I think it's like not a lack of love at the end of the day because they want what's best for you, but it's when exactly. they think that they know what's best for you, you know, like, and I think that because it's my parents it just clicked. That's why they didn't question it. Going back to rebellion, what you were talking about, that was like evident in every aspect of my life, like up until college and even figuring out a career and like bouncing around from major to major. Like my college life is crazy. Like just going from school to school, from major to major, like trying to figure it out. Like looking back now, it was just like, I couldn't figure out what to do with my life because I couldn't even like figure out like who I was and like why this this skin that I was in like didn't feel right to me like why nobody else ever questioned their gender like why like people are just born like knowing who they are but why I always had to like feel like that wasn't it after transitioning for five years and, and experiencing all the things that I have I'm really blessed to have lived as both it's it's a pretty special experience I always tell women I will always understand how they feel when they're on their period because it's like been there like I know I can actually say hey I've been there <laughs> you know so, so a pretty cool thing to have that's so funny i never thought of that oh my god (laughs) that must be nice to now not have it too (laughs) yeah that was like the first thing actually to to leave my life with like my first shot ever of testosterone the next week i stopped getting my period forever when you were telling your parents sounds like it was less of a traditional coming out and it sounds like it was more of all of you realizing and figuring it out together is that how it felt yeah that's so interesting a really beautiful way of putting it it's because it's like i feel like my my family for the first time understood why i was always so resistant and why i always had to make things like 10 times harder than like it was and why i was so different and i think for my mom it clicked the most it was like a deep realization like oh this is who you've always been and that's what was really beautiful about it because it didn't really feel like coming out it just felt like stepping into who I am and then taking that step with me what age did you start questioning and you know what was that like 
When I first started feeling it, it was like a really amateur feeling when I was like two or three years old. Obviously, like I felt different. So in kindergarten was when I had like my first crush. All my friends that were women were talking about all the boys in the class while I was sitting there looking at like the girl. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, you know, like, why do I feel this way? It turned into from crazy into like a big slap in the face because she had a crush on one of the boys in the class. For me, that was like literally just the most childish heartbreak and more than that it was like eye-opening and for me it was like the first time that I ever felt inadequate that was when I really felt like different but that feeling had always been there and puberty was when it became like really bad when I first started like noticing changes in my body and I think that's when the rebellion started to get worse because it was in high school and so I think that it was as all of that was happening and like high school culture of like girls and boys and like playing sports and like having to dress a certain way and I remember I played field hockey and they tried to put me in a skirt and I was so like not about it at all that I was like, screw that. I'm going to be the goalie. So I had like this really big gear on, but I was like relieved because I was like, all right, I still get to play the sport, but I don't have to be in a skirt to play it. You know, it wasn't until I was 20 that I was like, oh, after two decades of being miserable, I think it's time to start injecting some testosterone. (laughs) Did you at that time turn to any media, any like books or tv shows do you remember when when caitlin jenner was like a thing like came out that was before i transitioned so and like in popular culture that made it like real and like accepting so that the timing of that i guess actually ended up working out in my favor too i know you said you prayed is that something that you felt like got you through this like did you even turn to your friends you know like were there conversations that you feel like made you feel better because there wasn't a lot of media representation in high school i always had friends that were like some part of like lgbtq like that was like my main circle is like all my friends were like different and so i think that's why I felt really included. As much as I want to say, yes, I turned to faith and religion and prayer and all these things, the truth of the matter is like I didn't, you know. I more so turned to my friends because I felt like I couldn't turn to my family at the time. My family thought that my friends were bad because they were leading me down like this phase of sexuality, but it wasn't a phase. And I remember the first time that I told my smiley friends, like my group of friends that are girls that I grew up with, they also were like, duh, we no, I feel kind of bad talking about this because it just screams like privilege. I'm humbled by the experience. I want to do what I can and try to help other people that are in those like pre-transition phases where they don't have the support they need and the tools they need. And How do you advise people that want to have a similar experience to you? I feel like we as a community are blessed in that diversity is encouraged. So I know that it can be a really scary thing and maybe you don't have the support from your parents. And for people that don't have the support from their parents, I feel like if they just look for that support within the community, they would find it. Because I I think there is a lot of love out there. And I think there are a lot of people that are open-minded. Granted, like, certain traditions, it's, like, still very much aligns with, like, the concept of gender binary. But you have to kind of, like, cut some of those things from slack because that's just the way it's always been. And I'm not saying that just because that's the way things have been, that's the way they should always be. But when people talk about the community should be more, like, you know, create room for, like, people outside of that binary. It's like, yeah, but that concept hasn't existed in a while. So you need to give things like that time to, like, grow, you know, which I think there is potential for within the community. 
Yeah. As a community, we're taught to value pluralism and diversity and, you know, people of different perspectives. But we also culturally, a lot of us come from South Asian backgrounds and a lot of us are immigrants or children of immigrants. So I think that comes with a unique set of challenges that sometimes are a little bit more traditional and can create an environment that is not super progressive. Did being an Ismaili and belonging to this faith, did that help you or hurt you in terms of feeling more safe or more accepted? I feel like it definitely helped me. It helped me. um... Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When I felt like my life was like spiraling out of control in high school, my parents always made sure that I went to Jamathkana every Friday and like I still stayed in touch with the community. And I think that really helped keep me grounded. Always reminded me that, you know, I'm, I'm part of something bigger. And when I go to this place, I have people that love me, that look forward to seeing me here every week. The community was, was really there for me and it definitely helped me to feel like I was a part of something. Did you ever struggle with God's acceptance or like obviously like community and faith and spirituality and religiosity is like different things were they like at conflict with each other how did you feel about that it was at conflict for a while but all my life i've never like questioned that i was not born like this you know i always felt like all right well if i was born like this there had to be a reason like i'm not some like defect or some mutation or like you know whatever it is like there was intention when god made me like this because i've always been this way i definitely felt spiritual in that sense like talking to god and stuff But I was in conflict with the religious aspect for a while just because I felt like there wasn't space. I was more spiritual always than religious just because I always felt like religion has a lot of borders around it and and divides people and ideas and things. And I don't agree with that. But my connection with God, like I never struggled with that because I always felt like, you know, God, you made me like this and I'm going to figure out why you made me like this and why you made things a lot harder for me growing up, you know. In terms of the community, you know, centering back to beyond the religious aspect, back to the social aspect, what should we either continue doing or start to do to 
make LGBTQ plus individuals feel more safe or feel more welcome? The first step would be recognizing that something outside of just male and female exists, you know, like, and, and the whole structure of, like, of, like, the leaders, like, Mookie Saibin, Commerce Saibin, all those things, like, so say that two women are married, like, you know, then they can't, they no longer have a chance in even, like, holding that position. And so things like that, I feel like it's limiting in a way for people that feel like, all right, well, I'm still, like, a very religious person, and I love Jamath Kana, and I want to always be, a, you know, a part of it, but sometimes feel like, well, there isn't space. If, if I want to be a part of that community, then I have to leave another part of me out. And so that makes it hard, I think, for LGBT people when they step into Kana and it's like, well, you have to choose either this or that. And it's like, well, it's I don't fit into either this or that. You know, I'm I'm like the area in gray. And um, I think that the global community and the global Jamath should work on creating that other space for people to exist and still feel like they're just as religious as cis couple you know or there's just enough room for them in the community as there is for everybody else camp mosaic on an application like you know filling your gender in like little things like that like providing space for there to be like trans or you know i don't wish to answer or anything like that just something yeah, that like yeah. gives you the freedom to like not have to like sit there and place yourself in a, in a group or like you know le- those little stickers with like you write what your pronouns are like teaching kids from a very young age like at mosaic Ooh, like you put it on that. you know on you and like you say like him her they you know and because kids are like really open-minded and kids get it more than adults do you know they kids don't understand exclusion and discrimination they they just want to like accept everything and be friends with everyone it's so beautiful so going along that what's a phrase that people can say that can come off as offensive to you but they don't realize or they're not intentionally trying to offend you the one thing that like blares in my mind is clothing on religious occasions and things like that because I have always fought wearing shawar kameez like I literally like my first cousin's wedding we had to like perform a dance and like they had to like all the girls had to wear like shawar kameez and this was pre-transition so everybody was trying to get me to and I kid you not I fled the scene like I literally left and I was like I'm not being a part of this dance like I'm not wearing this clothing it's just something I've always spot and um having to like explain certain things to people you know it's, it's just frustrating at times because it's just like you know my body's different like leave me alone you know but i remember in my early days of passing um locker rooms were really rough in gyms before top surgery you know that was like a really anxiety inducing thing for me and just a quick disclaimer before we jump into the rest of the episode this is a portion where sanan dives into details about his medical journey. These questions are intimate in nature. If you don't want to hear this portion of the episode, please skip to 3325. Can you walk us through the transitioning process? Yeah, this is like a really cool question because I love explaining like the breakdown of of all like the surgeries. Obviously, you have to start taking testosterone, which I started five years ago. Your voice changes, your fat distribution in your body begins to change slowly, facial hair, all those things, your period. And then, you know, if you choose to get top surgery, you get top surgery, which is like a double mastectomy, take out your boots, which was like the most liberating thing ever. Then after that, I got a hysterectomy. I got my uh, uterus completely taken out. And then after that, recently, I just got um, my phalloplasty, which is the bottom surgery. And I started my bottom surgery, and it's a two, three-year process. So I'm going to be having surgeries for the next two, three years to complete that. 
So the first thing they do is um, they took skin from my thigh. I had, my first operation was unsuccessful, so I had two boxes on my legs. Yeah, they took skin from my thigh, and they, they make that your penis. So they put that penis at the base of your clitoris, and the idea is for the nerves to grow back, so you still experience sensation at the tip. The next part is standing up to pee. So they take another skin graft and they open they open up the penis like a hot dog again. <laughs> And they uh, put the urethra in and they extend that so that you can stand up to pee. But that's divided into two steps because that's like a harder surgery. And so after that, then you have a scrotoplasty. So they make balls and then you get erectile implants. And yeah, all of that takes about two, three years to finish. So when you said that the first surgery was unsuccessful, what do you mean? I went into the OR, they uh, they cut into my leg, and they said that the nerves in my leg were really weird. Like, they said somewhere in the embryonic stage of my development, my nerves, like, wrapped around my femur. So they were, like, unable to, like, dissect them and take them out to then put them in, into the penis and take skin from there. So that's why it was unsuccessful. So you showed us your thighs and how they took the skin out. Like, do your thighs feel any different? Are they smaller? Like, has anything changed in your legs, or is that kind of going to heal and go back to normal when i first got it i couldn't i couldn't walk for 16 to 20 days i was just in the couch i had like a huge like blood clot in my leg it was really bloody i stayed in the hospital five nights and i didn't i didn't walk for four days and then on the fifth day the pt came in and they they took me out of the bed for the first time and that took a while like starting to walk again and stuff wasn't easy but it was it was really beautiful because it was like little by little so like i could barely walk and then i could walk for like 10 minutes so the recovery wasn't easy and i think the scars in my leg are gonna last for a while i i had no idea like I'm really glad you're open about this because I'm hearing all of this for the first time. Yeah. yeah, which is why I love to explain it because science is like so cool, you know, and like all yeah. the things that it can do. How long was the gap between when you started testosterone and your first surgery? I think about a year and a half to two years. They say you have to like be taking testosterone for a year before you can get top surgery for like the insurance to authorize it. And that first year and a year and a half, it's it's really difficult because it's like your face is changing and everything else is changing, but like you still like have boobs, you know? So like it was still like a very much like gender dysphoria feeling. I didn't realize how long and spaced out of a process it was. And yeah, I guess like how many steps you have to go through, which makes sense because it can be right a lot on your body. They want to do the surgeries like they want to give at least six months, like three to six months for healing between each one. So that's why it ends up taking like three years. No intercourse, nothing for like three years. But like I've never felt connected to my body in that way. So like sex is never like important to me. And that's been something that has then been issues with like my relationships with women in the past and like shying away from from pleasure in that way because it's like, you know, not not feeling connected to my body. Did all of the medical procedures and the stuff that you would have to go through once you found out what all of that was going to entail? Did that ever kind of scare you out of pursuing this path? No, I was so excited. I I remember when they were like when they broke it down for me I remember I was pissed because I went in there and I was like all right you know like we're gonna start talking about like my surgery and like my bottom surgery like I'm so excited 
And then I went there and they were like, oh, you got to get a histo first. And I was like, ugh. And I was pissed about that because there would be no external changes with that. You know what I mean? It was just something I had to do to like in order to get to the bottom surgery part, which was frustrating. But I remember like I never felt like scared with any of my surgeries. I was just always like actually my last one, I felt really scared because after the first time it was unsuccessful, I was like a little bit nervous the second time. But um, I think it's more so just a lot of excitement because I'm like, I know I've always wanted this you know so it's like no matter what i have to do to get it like i'm gonna get it so after you finish these three years of surgery and you said you did a year of hormones before that do you continue taking hormones afterwards yeah you have to keep taking it for your whole life and the thing is in the beginning it's really important that you take it once every two weeks like religiously but after your body is kind of adjusted to it and also like i had a hysterectomy right so like where my my ovaries would be producing most of my estrogen they're not there anymore so i don't really have to like worry about refill like replenishing the testosterone in my body all the time in order to match out the estrogen that's being produced because it's not anymore. Are there any side effects to the hormones? Just like really like towards the end of my cycles, I get like, I'll get like really depressed for a day or like, you know, like I'll just like won't want to do anything. Like I'll be very fatigued. I'll be like cranky and like pissy, you know, just not. It's whatever. It's just me telling myself like, all right, you just kind of take your shot. Like, you know, just you'll be good. You have such a positive mindset through all this. Like, just, you're, like, so forward-looking. I love that. I feel like I've been blessed enough to, like, be like, all right, well, things are going to work out in the end and, like, have that belief that, like... And actually, I had problems with my second surgery, too. Like, I had to go into the ER and I had to have my catheter in for, like, longer. But it was all things that were, like, all right, well, like, too bad, you know? Like, this this comes with the process. Like, you kind of have to go through, like, these little hurdles. I know it can be discouraging, you know, when things don't work out or there's, like, an extra problem and you start to panic. But things do work out. You know, you have to believe things work out. Do you think your parents and your family also like had the same mindset or were they more concerned when after the first surgery, you know, it wasn't successful? Were they like questioning it? Yeah, so my family is, like, very unique in the sense of, like, no one, like, takes anything seriously. Like, my mom is always like, oh, well, if something shitty happened, like, it's okay. You know, like, get past it. I try not to panic. I really try not to panic, like, ever about anything. Do you have anything you say to yourself or anything you take with you or think of before, like, each surgery? I just know that it's, like, one step closer to, like, finally looking in the mirror and being like, yes, like, this is what I've always wanted. My vision of myself, like, in my head finally like aligns with the person looking in the mirror and like i feel like i've already gotten to that point after my last surgery my phalloplasty just appearance wise that has taken away like a lot of my dysphoria like in the gym and like looking in the mirror and like you know in locker rooms and things like that i just always know that like i'm gonna be a step closer it really makes me happy going into every surgery i'm like very excited i definitely have a lot more confidence and self-esteem in myself and in knowing that i can like do things and go places when i like feel more confident in my body and in my skin. So is there anything that you wish you could have known before you started this whole process? How fucking long it would take, you know, (laughs) to have more patience. I didn't think it would take like a really long time on one end, but then also I'm grateful that like in five years, all these things have happened, you know. When you first started taking hormones and you like saw like facial hair grow in and like those small changes, how did you react? Like, did you freak out? Was it like so exciting? I was like (laughs) ecstatic. Like I had like a really close guy friend at the time. He helped me shave. Like he, you know, like my first, when I had like peach fuzz, like he was like the first one 
one that like helped me shave and all those things and it was really really exciting i would like ask and my voice changed and like they would tell me it changed and it was like it was crazy it was really exciting i remember like the first time that people like started saying like sir and like you know like bro like man like things like that it was like so affirming like oh my god like you know like you see me as this like it was no longer ma'am what is different about your new life that you never could have imagined i feel really sad to tell you this but the world definitely treats men better than it does (laughs) okay you don't have to tell us that the world is definitely the world is definitely a better place it is for women we've known but i appreciate i appreciate you that. <laughs> Wait, can you uh, give us some specifics? You know, walking in the street, you know, like I remember like when I was 18 partying with my friends, like it was always an issue, like going coming home late at night, you know, and like even like with the way my parents treat me, like with my sisters, they're so overprotective, but with me, like, oh, you can do whatever you want, you know, like go ahead. Even in college, I was an elementary ed major for a while, so a lot of my classes I was with was with all women and I was the only guy in the class. And I would notice like the professors would want to like talk to me more and these were things that I noticed because I was like actually like doing like an experiment in my head and like seeing and like realizing things so I would like notice that like professors would like be nicer to me and like my voice would be more heard in class and even just in social contexts it's really easy for men to just exist it's sad because like you don't even have to like think like you're just like chilling but I feel like for women there's always like oh my god who's around me like am I unsafe like you know could there be like some creepy person here like and for men like you don't have to think that men are nicer and less disgusting with other men than they are towards women so um i definitely don't receive that creepy energy from men anymore which is nice how do men act with each other when there are no women around more often than not they're dogs when they're with each other and i'm just kind of sitting there like um this doesn't really align with my views you know like towards women they're also just like when women aren't around just like stupid shit today in the barbershop these two guys spent 25 minutes talking about like the price of a light bulb and i'm like this is such like not an intellectual conversation like (laughs) Like, so have your friendships changed i think one-on-one with guys you can like kind of let out that soft side and they'll also let it out you know like if you're just talking to them one-on-one but i definitely feel like if in a group you try to be like vulnerable like that there's definitely some like whoa dude like (laughs) we don't do that around here like you're getting mad deep you know it's like a drastic difference i think guys and groups versus one-on-one like i feel like i fit in more in a group with women which is something i've struggled with with my girlfriends in the past like you have too many female friends and i'm like i was born as one i'm sorry you know like this is just who i connect with so did you feel like your personality changed was it a slow shift or did it happen drastically you're experiencing all these different things did you feel like you had to kind of change parts of you to fit into this new environment i feel like i'm very cautious and mindful of like the role I'm playing like depending on who I'm around so obviously there's people that I can like completely be myself around and it's like not an issue at all but I definitely feel like for example like I work out in Gainesville right at one of my father's um like gas stations travel centers and so over there I'm very mindful of not letting anybody know like my history or who I am just because I know that it's not that safe which is crazy because people will like try to add me on Facebook and I'm like no like I can't do that sorry you know like i can't add you on instagram like let's not mix these two things but for my own safety and for my own comfort i'm going to like play this different role where i am you know so like like around other people i can like completely be like as girly as i want without 
<laughs> with like my words and like you know as as much as I want because it's like all right well I know that that's going to be like accepted and understood over here but over there make sure like I'm like speaking like as a man like in male pronouns which is very hard to do in Hindi do you share in your dating relationships that you are trans I have no problem telling women that I'm trans because for me it's like this is the coolest thing about me you know like so if you don't accept it like I don't really care because it's this is like it's been like the highlight of my life you know so if you can't like accept that then I can't even begin to like have a conversation with you finding love and like settling down like for me it's like very different because I have to like find someone that's accepting of the fact that like okay I can't like biologically have kids and like there's like all these things about my past and like my organs look a little different and you know just a bunch of things that's that's different that's why like the reason I can't go on a dating app because I can't it's not something that for me it's not like it is for everybody else you know like there's this whole side of me that you have to know before you can decide like are you willing to like be with me like through this and like accept me like for my differences so like I don't have eggs anymore or maybe if I do they're probably messed up by like the testosterone or eat but I don't have like fallopian tubes or like a uterus or any ovaries anymore so I can't have kids and like to me that never like bothered me because the idea of parent being a parent like never was like a biological thing for me it was like no like i want to raise this little human with like all the love in the world you know and that's like what being a parent is what would you say to someone who's questioning this right now i would say that if you were listening and you were thinking about it and you resonated with the things i said then please please find that courage in yourself that little light that tells you to follow that that helps you follow that because it's really mind-blowing and I never, ever would have ever would have like seen or like imagined that my life would be the way it is now. Like I never thought that like talking to God as a kid and asking him to make me a guy like would one day like actually happen in real life. Things could align in this way that you no longer have to question and, you know, not want to look in the mirror and feel anxious every time you walk into Kane. Like if you feel those feelings, like please like be brave or if you can't be brave, then like reach out to me and I'll help you be brave because stepping into like who you are is not thing there's nothing more rewarding than that there's nothing more beautiful than watching yourself like change and realize that and like seeing that like the vision of yourself in your head is finally happening externally too i think that's a wonderful note to wrap this up on and we will have his name his instagram everything so he is opening up to being a shoulder to lean on thank you for answering our millions of questions we really appreciate (laughs) you doing this of course of course and if anybody has any questions ever like you need any resources for surgeries or anything like that literally like show you tell you anything welcome back and thank you for listening so now we're going to jump into the listener segment where we asked you all on instagram to share a time just like sanan does when your parents reaction may have surprised you or may not have been what you were expecting and a lot of you sent in some great responses so we'd love to share some of those here i can go first i was pleasantly surprised one time i was actually 16 i had just gotten my permit and so i had taken me and my friends out on a drive i was on the wrong side of the road by accident and so four cops basically pulled me over and gave me a ticket for the next week I was terrified but then something just came over me and I was like no I need to tell my parents and when I told my mom she immediately said these things happen and this is how you learn and they helped me take care of it since then I just have always kept that in my head that I can share anything with them that we can tackle it together versus making it a me problem and trying to deal with everything my own my story is super recent so my brother and sister were saying 
once when we were kind of in the thick of protests that they wished they were back in New York so that they could attend some protests. And my mom freaked out. She was like, you guys, I would never let you go to protests. Like that is super dangerous. And then a couple nights later, when we found out that near my house, there's actually a local protest happening. We were really surprised when we brought the idea of attending that protest to my mom and she was super into it. And so my mom and my siblings and I, we all went to this local protest together. My mom chanted with us and she marched with us. So my mom definitely surprised me that day. love that your mom went with you guys. Someone said, my mom found one of my poetry books. The author was gender fluid. She asked me, what is this? Who is he? I thought my mom would be very dismissive that the poet was gender fluid or when I corrected her misgendering the poet. But instead, she accepted that the poet's pronouns are they slash them. She even repeated it back to herself to internalize their pronouns. I was happily surprised in this moment because it illustrated to me that she understands the validity of gender identity. That's really sweet. We got another one that was so sweet. This person said, I hid my boyfriend who was not a smiley and also not South Asian from my dad for months. When I finally felt like I just couldn't hide it any longer, he surprised me by saying, whatever makes you happy, bitch, we will always support you. Whatever Mola wants to happen will happen. I love that. We got a lot of responses saying a lot of you were pleasantly surprised when you told your parents that you were pursuing non-STEM majors or switching your majors to either humanities or social sciences or taking a gap year. Yeah, which I love because there's not enough South Asian representation in a lot of those fields and we need more supportive parents like that. Cool. Well, thank you so much again for listening, for being here with us and we will see you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.